So this past Thursday was May the 4th, and for those who are unfamiliar, it is Star Wars Day. Some are familiar, some are not. Um, now, this started back in 1979, and one of those, if you don't know, then I'll catch you up, right? Uh, May the 4th, one of the sayings in Star Wars is, may the force be with you. And so May the 4th then became Star Wars Day. It started back in 1979. Now, for those of you who are not familiar, that means there are thousands of people all across our country who take the day off, call in sick, and watch all eight Star Wars movies. They do, all right? Now, I'm a big fan of Star Wars. I don't do that, uh, but it's a connection my son and I have, and we interact a lot about Star Wars. Um, but, again, we're not here to talk about Star Wars. Other than this, that in Star Wars, the bottom line of, of it is this, is there's light and there's dark. There's good and there's bad. And those are the only two sides. You're either a good guy or you're a bad guy. And uh, it's kind of frustrating because in the movies, the bad guys have all the cool weapons and stuff. And so, you know, you kind of want to lean that way. And the good guys have to win with their brains and their connection to the force. But anyway, so uh, it, is this, it is this reality of good versus bad. Now, there is a spiritual truth here. We are going to get to it, I promise. All right, and so the elders, we, we read a book a couple years ago called The Kingdom Matrix, and uh, in that book, very significant book, I think, but, but uh, Jeff Christofferson in the book makes a very significant point in that when it comes to living on this earth, there are two kingdoms that can be pursued, and only two. It is the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And the theory is, is that as we go through this journey, every decision we make either brings glory to the kingdom of light or to the kingdom of darkness. There's no in-between. And so kind of like Star Wars, where there's good guys and bad guys, in our spiritual journey, there are two kingdoms that we can pursue every single day. It is the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. All right, so we're going to look at something Jesus said about that, uh, and we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, they are uh, the lo longest teaching that we have recorded of Jesus, the things that he said, and the, the, the foundational teachings. But he comes to the end of that foundational teachings, and, and he has three illustrations, if you will, about what to do with everything that he said. The first is, has to do with a narrow and wide gate. And uh, two choices there. The second has to do with uh, the fruit that trees produce. And the third has to do whether or not you build your house on the sand or the rock. And essentially, Jesus was saying, I've told you what you need to know and how you need to live. Now it's up to you to choose one of two things. Light or darkness. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. This is the first of the, two, of the three illustrations. Page 971, if you're using the Pew Bible. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, 
For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Okay, so let's look at, let's start with verse 13. And Jesus begins this phrase with this, this section with enter through the narrow gate. Now, the idea of entering means you have a choice. Okay, so you go to your house or to your apartment or wherever you live when we're done today, and you stand before the door to where you live. You have a choice. You can open the door and go in, or you can not. Right? Or, I mean, if you lock yourself out, I guess you can go through a window or something like that. But you know what I'm saying. You stand at the door. You have a choice. I'm either going to go through or not. So you choose to enter or not enter that door. Right? You follow? Tracking with me here? Just nod. You understand this is what happens when you go home today. Right? All right. So Jesus says, you have a choice. There are two gates that you can go through. You can go through the gate that's narrow, or you can go through the gate that's broad. And you have a choice on which one you're going to go through. Now, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but one of the problems is, is that in our culture, we try to build a third gate. We try to construct a gate where we can take a little bit of Jesus so that we know we're going to heaven, but then have the other stuff on the broad gate too, and we create a new gate. And Jesus said that's not an option. You enter one of the two gates. Either the narrow one or the broad one. So we stand at this crossroad. We have these two gates. We look at them and we choose, basically is what Jesus said. All right, so he starts with explaining the wide gate. So we'll do the same thing. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. So he describes the broad gate this way. It's easy to open. It's easy to go through because it is wide, and you look past the gate, and there is a well-trodden road that thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people have been down, and it's easy to see where it's headed. It's easy to see where it's going. It's easy to see where the next steps are because so many people have been down that road. Now, if you've ever been in the country around cows, we know that cows, when they go to water, they take the same path every day. Right, And as they take that path, they wear a path into the grass. And you can follow that path. Well, what he's saying is, is there's so many people that have gone down this broad road that the path is obvious. And in fact, it's easy. There's no obstacles. There's nothing in the way. It's easy to do. And you look at it and you say, that's the way I want to go because there's not much conflict there. See, right after Jesus ascended, the church experienced the narrow gate, the narrow way. And they saw how they didn't fit in as followers of Jesus. And, and Jesus was saying, hey, if you don't follow me, I'm going to tell you it's going to be a lot easier because the world's going to accept you. The world's going to look at the way that you live and they're going to see who you are and they're going to leave you alone. Because if you go down the, the broad way, they're, they're not going to stone you to death. They're not going to have you arrested. They're not going to beat you. They're not going to mock you. They're not going to do any of that stuff. And it looks like it's so incredibly easy. Got a quick video I'm going to show you, and it's really just something that repeats over and over. Uh, but it's, it's of water. And science teaches us this about water, that water 
always takes the path of least resistance. Right? We know that, right? Now, over time, water can create a valley or it can conform a rock to a different pattern, but water always takes the path of least resistance. So, if water lands on a plane, it is going to go down towards gravity, where gravity pulls it. Every time, no matter how many drops of water you drop on a plane, it's always going to go the same direction, and it's always going to go down the path of least resistance. Okay? Now, you can put a rock in the plane, and if it's level, the water will stop at the rock until eventually there's too much water, and the water will start going around the rock. But it's going to go through the path of least resistance. And what Jesus is saying is, when you go through the broad gate, you are going through the gate and down the path of least resistance. So now I'm just going to tell you that if you go down this path, it looks like it's so simple. And people are going to leave you alone and following me is not going, you don't have to worry about that because you're going to be just like the world and the world will see you as normal. And it is the path of least resistance. Okay, now let me tell you what this kind of looks like. We fast forward to 2017. What it looks like in 2017, I see it on campus all the time. I see people who are not Christians who are so aggravated with Christians because of the hypocrisy. And they see it by their classmates who claim to follow Christ but live a lifestyle that is totally contradictory to who Christ is. And I've actually heard these words multiple times. These people claim to follow Christ, but they party with me on the weekends and they go to church because it's, it's okay. Because they can be forgiven. And non-believers think that's the most ridiculous thing they've ever heard. Because it's the path of least resistance. If I live like the world and I act like the world and I follow the world's plan, the world's going to leave me alone. The world's not going to look at me like I'm crazy. The world's not going to think I'm ridiculous. See, and that's how we try to build that third gate. We, we say, well, I'm going to take a little bit of Jesus, but I'm going to live like the world and not really be serious about the narrow way because it's a heck of a lot easier over here. But notice what Jesus said about the broad path. He said it leads to destruction. It leads to destruction. Whew, that's a big word. All right? And I think there probably are eternal implications to that, but, but I think even more significantly in the current reality, that down that road, you find despair and hopelessness, lack of contentment, and it's a miserable place to be. See, I would contend that there are a lot of people, I'm not saying anybody in this room, but there are a lot of people who sit in church a lot of the time and they live on the broad road. Because it's easy. That's why Jesus said not many people are going to find it. The, the narrow road. The broad road is simple. Because the broad road essentially is this, the broad road is saying that I am the most important thing. And I want to be in charge of my life and making my own decisions. The broad road says it's, it's about me and it's about what I want to do and what I want to accomplish. And, and the broad road says that I'm the center of the universe and I want to make my decisions. 
I'm the one that matters most. That's what the broad road says. It's all about me. But there's good news. There's another way, right? And so Jesus began to describe the other way, and he said, now, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. And he says, now, you come to this gate, and here's what you see. You see a path that is almost there, a path that you can tell a few people have been down, and, and maybe that's the way I'm supposed to go, but, but man, if I, if I go this way, it's going to be a tough road because it's going to go contrary to, to where everybody else goes. And so if I go down this way, it's going to be tough. And so Jesus was preparing his disciples for the reality that they were about to face. He was preparing Peter for the fact that he was going to be crucified upside down, preparing James that he was going to be beheaded preparing John for the fact that he was going to spend the end of his life marooned on an island in a prison. And on and on, Jesus was preparing that the world is not going to like you if you go down this path. Because when you go down this path, all of a sudden it's not about you anymore. It's, it's now all about me. When you go through the narrow gate, you're saying, you know what? I surrender complete authority of my life to my king. And he may call me to sacrifice even my very life, but I'm in. Let me tell you what that looks like today. Uh, I'm in the process of finishing a book called The Insanity of Obedience. And uh, I've been going through it very slow because it's just so uh, life-altering for me. Um, because God acknowledging me how, to me how insignificant I am in his work. Um, but anyway, that's just my journey. Uh, but the, the story is written, the book is written by uh, uh, Nick Ripkin, and he is the world's authority on persecution and what people go through, uh, Christians that are persecuted. And he's been all around the world interviewing those who are persecuted. And he has a section in the book about Muslims who live in Muslim countries who become followers of Jesus. Now, see, silly me, I always thought the way we fix that is we send missionaries to Muslim countries and we tell people about Jesus and all these people will come to know Christ. But that's not what happens at all. In fact, if, if in a Muslim country, in many, if they interact with a Western worker who is a Christian, they'll get killed on the spot. You don't interact with Christian workers. And he said, this is how it really happens when people come to follow Christ in Muslim countries said they will begin to have dreams or visions. They'll have dreams of the angel Gabriel, which is a big deal in Islam. Or they'll have dreams of Jesus himself coming to them and calling them to him. And they will have these dreams or visions, you ready for this? For three to five years before they decide to act on it. And then when they decide to act on it, they will have another dream or a vision about finding a Bible. Not one missionary involved yet. And they'll walk through a marketplace and someone will walk up to them and say, God told me to give you this. And they'll walk on and they'll never see him again. And it's a Bible. Or they'll walk into a store that sells only the Quran and they had a vision about a blue book and they'll find the blue book and they'll buy it and it's a Bible in a shop that only sells the Quran. 
And they have miraculous story after miraculous story of people finding copies of the Scripture. Then they will take the Bible and they will read it all the way through. Typically, they'll read it through two or three times. More than many of us, I would suspect. Some of them will even read it up to 20 times. And then when they get done, they will decide, okay, I'm ready to follow Jesus. But even then, they're not all in. And you know what distinguishes those who follow Jesus in Muslim countries? Is the day they are baptized. The day they are baptized, they are saying to the Muslim world, I will give my life for Jesus. You can take my job, you can take my life, you can beat me, you can imprison me, you can do whatever you want. I am all in. And the whole process may take a decade, but once they're in, they're in. That's going through the narrow gate, folks. That's saying, I don't matter anymore. It's the kingdom that matters. I'm completely secondary in this. And as King Jesus is now my sovereign, I surrender all of my rights. I surrender all of my decision-making to him, whatever he wants to do, because I am all in. I'm going through the gate. In the Kingdom Matrix, they tell the story, and I believe I've told it to you before, about a new church plant that had just started. And um, there was another church in their community that was about to lose their building and go bankrupt because they were behind on their payments. And so this young church that got together and they were meeting, and, and it was very important that this church building stay a church building because it's hard to get church buildings built. And, and so they were meeting as a young church, and they said, how much does this church need? They need $6,000. How much do we have in savings? We have $6,000. And they looked at each other and said, well, we know what we have to do. And they cleared out their savings account, and they gave it to the church because the kingdom required it. You see, the narrow way is saying, whatever Jesus wants, that's what I do. And if it requires my life, I'm in. If it requires a change in career, I'm in. If you're whatever it requires, I'm in. That's the narrow way. That's why Jesus said it's so hard and so few do it. But see, we Americans, we're creative. We're industrious. And so we try to build a third gate. We say, you know what? I, I really want the Jesus thing. But I don't want him to make all my decisions for me. That's very un-American. So let's build a third gate. Jesus says no. There's two choices. It's the narrow way or the broad way. You pick. It's all up to you. So I was reading through this, and, and then Jesus talks about the tree, and he talks about, uh, he talks about where you build your home, build your house on the sand or the rock. And, and so there, there's really just one overarching question 
for all of us. Which gate are you going through? And please don't mishear me. When we go through the narrow gate, it doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean that we stop making mistakes because we still do. But on the narrow road, you can't stay there. Because God and the Holy Spirit comes and lives in our lives and transforms us and makes us new. We can't stay there. So I want to challenge you as I've challenging myself this week. Let's be all in. Let's be all in. I don't know what he's going to ask this afternoon or tomorrow or next year. Let's be all in. Because really, that's the one thing that matters. Are we pursuing light or pursuing darkness? Jesus didn't, didn't seem to give us much of a choice that there was a third way. It's just the tale. So, again, I challenge you as I challenge me. Let's make our king the priority. In every interaction that we have, every decision we make in our lives, whether it's at work or at school or at home, that King Jesus would always be first and always have the right to step in and say, I've got a different plan. Because it really is all about him. Let's pray.